Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see all of you out here this morning. <laughs> you know, I think I would fit in with the fishing group. I couldn't make it, but I would fit, I'd fit in because every time I go fishing, I catch nothing. <laughs> so I would be in good company with everybody. <laughs> anyway, I want to give a shout out to the Sotos. They are in uh, Michigan right now with their entire tribe. All of them, 19 of them. Yeah, and I, Alexis, um, before she left, I said, oh, you must be excited going to Michigan, then to Israel. And she looked at me like, excited? There's going to be 19 people in the house and two bathrooms. I said, oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I wouldn't be too excited about that. <laughs> but pray for Pastor Zach and I, because uh, we'll be handling the the preaching and all the other things of the life of the church. So continue to pray for us. So, um, you know, uh, when I was growing up, I just want to give you a family background. And the family I lived in was not very religious in a sense because they didn't have God in their life in any fashion of the word. Um, it more was a Buddhism type of family. My grandmother that lived next to us would bang on the bow every night for hours, and I would go before the idol also, you know, at times, and pray before I knew Christ, and I was doing that until I, I realized what um, really life is about with Christ, and our family was kind of, I mean, we had six kids in our family, and we always fought with each other, <laughs> that's one thing, but Words and appreciation of love in a physical way was never there. And, you know, I don't blame my parents in any way because that's how they grew up, well, number one. They grew up that way, and they carried that on into, our, into that relationship. My mom or dad, uh, I loved them, and I know, th I know they loved me, um, but it was never expressed in hugs or physically or words. Like, my dad never did tell me, oh, you did a great job uh, winning this, you know, judo tournament never did happen. Or he never did compliment me when I said, oh, um, show my report card. I had a F plus. He never did say, good job. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Words were never part of our family life. But when you read through the Bible and what I've experienced, I realized there's something about the way we talk and speak, and what comes out of our mouth. There's something there that the Bible will bring out. And we're going to dive into that. And the scripture is found, um, well, let's pray first, okay? So thank you, Jesus, for this morning. I thank you that those that have joined us online. And I just pray, first of all, for uh, the Sato family, that you continue to be with them. And uh, just have let them... Um, let them prepare and get together, and that they would enjoy each other, and that they would be blessed as they go to Israel too. And we also thank you, Lord, for our nation at this moment and what was done this past week with the Supreme Court. And I just pray, Lord, that there is going to be righteousness in the days ahead because you watch over not only the nation but our lives too. So we just thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the scripture says we can all read this together, and it's found in Proverbs chapter 18, 21. I think all of us 
know this, but I want to dive into it a little uh, in a different angle. It says the tongue, let's all read it together. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, I want you to think about that scripture, what it's saying. It's, think about it. It says that what comes out of your mouth, there is life and there is death. That's what the Bible says. And I believe this, that we underestimate the power of the words in our life. We underestimate the power of our words. I'm going to give you two examples in the Bible. One is found in Joshua chapter 6. And it says that at that time, Joshua pronounced this solemn oath. Cursed before the Lord is the one who undertakes to rebuild the city, Jericho. At the cost of the firstborn son, he will lay its foundations, and at the cost of his youngest, he will set up its gates. So this was when they started to conquer the promised land. And Jericho was the first city, was totally anti-God. They didn't worship God at all. And so when, Jer when Joshua... And the Israelites conquered Jericho. Joshua declared this. What was going to He spoke this out. Then we find in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 34. It says, In Ahab's time, Heliel of Bethel rebuilt Jericho. He laid his foundations at the cost of his firstborn son, Abram. And he set up his gates at the cost of his younger son, Segib. And according to the word of the Lord spoken by Joshua, the son of Nun. This came to pass. Joshua spoke it out. He said, curse for anyone who tries to build this city. They're going to lose their first and last sons, the youngest son. And in 1 Kings, it happened. It happened 500, about 500 years later. When Joshua declared those words. Another example was found in Joshua, again, Joshua chapter 9. It says, then Joshua made a, tre a tre treaty of peace with them to let them live, and the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. So as they started to conquer the promised land, um, there was a group of people called the Gibeonites. And they were supposed to be conquered too, but they heard what was happening. And so what they did was they disguised themselves and they approached Joshua, and they told them, oh, we're neighbors, and we want to make a pact with you. And so they sat down, and they agreed upon, with, with both of them going as an oath, saying that, okay, I'm not going to uh, hurt you in any way. In fact, I'm going to protect you from whoever attacks you. So they ratified, it says, by an oath. And then in 2 Samuel... 21.1, it says this, during the reign of David, there was a famine for three consecutive years, successive years. So David sought the face of the Lord. The Lord said, it is on the account of Saul and his blood-stained house. It is because he put the Gibeonites to death. So you find this, all of a sudden, there was a famine in the land for three years. And David was saying, what is going on here? So he sought the Lord, and God brings out, a promise or an oath that 
Joshua gave to the Gibeonites. It was because the oath was broken and, this, and Saul began to kill them, the famine began to go on the land. This oath or word that was shared among each other was 400 years before that. There is power when we speak. Somehow, heaven hears it. So here is the takeaway of it is that our words carry po more power than we think in our life. And so what I'm doing in my life, and there's a, I know Pastor John shared this on the Latino 365. It's really good. It's a moment that we need to ponder on these things. So what I'm practicing in my life is I'm taking God's word. And I'm beginning to speak it out over my life and speak it. And I'm doing it until heaven releases that word to my life. To, so it comes to be fulfilled in me. The words that we speak, and we should be in agreement with what God says about us and what we do. We have a power in us that... I don't think we understand. And God wants to remind us about it today. The second thing is God created miracles by spoken words. It's Luke chapter 1, verse 13. It says, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers have been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you should call him his name John. So if you know the story of all this. Zechariah was a priest in the temple, in the house of God. And there, there were, and he was very old, old, too old to have a children. But God comes, and it was a prayer in the house all their life. And finally, God comes, gives the angel a word to tell Zechariah. And so he tells him, your wife is going to bear a son, and, and I want you to call him John. Another one is this, in Mark chapter 5, 41. It says, taking her by the hand, it was Jesus, said to her, Talita kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. So Jesus, a synagogue leader comes to Jesus, tells him, my daughter is dead. Can you please come? He goes and he speaks these words. He takes her hand when she's dead and he speaks to her. And she comes back to life. A word was given to, for her to come back to life. Now here is the, in both instances, when I read these stories, there was something interesting to the, both stories. For John, I mean, Zechariah, after the angel gave him the word that Elizabeth is going to have a son through you, Zechariah, the Bible says that he, he kind of doubted what the angel said. And what did God do to him? He shut his mouth. <laughs> the angel said, you're not going to speak until your son is born. And I was thinking, why did God say that? Why did the angel tell him? And I felt like God was saying, because when he's going to do a miracle... He doesn't want anything negative into that place.
Can you imagine if um, Zechariah was had his voice and speech, and he would see his, his wife getting a little plump, chubby? <laughs> what would he say? Hey, I think you better go jogging. <laughs> I think you're getting a little chubby there. I think you better lose weight. <laughs> Is that? Are you sure? I don't think God wanted anything negative with the word of God there for it to come to pass. The other one, when Jesus himself brought the girl back to life, it was interesting because when you read that story, there were a lot of people around the house. People were crying and wailing and saying all kinds of things. And the first thing that Jesus did was he told them, get those people away. Get those people away. And he took only the mother and father, and he took the disciples who was there. And the reason for that, again, was there going to be a negative words speaking into the place where there was supposed to be a miracle. And that's why God took them out of the house. You know, people probably there would say, no, nah, it's not going to happen. Why is he praying? Why is all these negative things would come on? God wants no negativity in a place where he's going to do something special in your life and other people's lives. I read this book um, and kind of followed this guy named Robert Henderson who wrote a book called Courts of Heaven. Anyway, in his life, um, he had a son who was in ministry and... The son got divorced, and so um, the son came back home and fell into a depression because of what happened. And so for two years, he was praying for the son to get out of the depression. He was praying, praying, praying. Nothing would be working. And then one day, God told him something. He said a couple things. Now, first, he told him, oh, Take my, your son into the courts of heaven. That was one. The second thing, he said, I want you to repent of all the things you said negative about your son in frustration about his life. So he began to cry out to God and say, God, I'm so sorry. Forgive me about my son and what I said and did and all that. And then that was that. And then a week and a half later, his son calls him. And calls him and tells him, Dad, my depression is gone. And Robert was like, oh, what happened? And oh, when did this happen? And he said, oh, a week and a half ago, it just lifted off of me. And then it was a week and a half ago that Robert began to pray for his son and ask for forgiveness. There's something about words we speak whether it's positive or negative, God is saying we have the power in that with people's lives. You know, it's, it's so easy to be negative, and I'm one of them. I think my wife is more positive than me. She's always scolding me, watch your words, watch your words, watch your words. <laughs> That's why God, you know, gave her to me. <laughs> But don't let negative words be part of the solution. You have power in you in life and death. 
You know, one thing, um, the point three is this, words affect our lives and others. You heard of the saying, sticks and stones will break my bones and words will never hurt me? Yeah? Well, that's baloney. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Proverbs 15, 4 says this, kind words heal and help, cutting words wound and maim. There's a book uh, written by Dr. Masuru Imoto, and it's called The Hidden Messages of Water. And in this book, he, has, uh, he, had, he did several experiments. And one of them, he took three jars of rice, and he, what he did was he verbally spoke into two of the jars. So... This is a photo, actually, of uh, a person who did this experiment, which the doctor did. I couldn't get a good photo of what he did, actually. But she did exactly what he did. And in one jar with the rice, they spoke to it for 30 days straight, telling them, thank you, all good things into that jar. And in the other jar, they spoke negative things, like you're an idiot, all of this bad stuff into that jar. And in the last jar on this side, they just let it alone. He did it for 30 days. And this was the result what happened. The one that was said thank you was fluffy, white, and all. It was just good, pleasant to look at. The one that they spoke idiot, all the negative words into it, mold started coming out from it. And the last one that they totally neglected actually rotted in the end. Words have power somehow. God has designed words in our life to have power. He also did this. He poured pure water into jars. And he labeled the different jars with different words. And one of them was love. Other one, thank you, and another one was hate you. And what he did was he took, uh, he froze the water later, and he took, uh, uh, with a high-speed photography, he, he captured the crystal, crystallizations of the water molecules. And this is what happened, what he found when he discovered this. The one with love, look at it, beautiful. The one with thank you, beautiful. But yet the one would hate you. It didn't crystallize, and it's ugly. Wow. Our words do affect people unknowingly. And when you think about it, you know, we're 60 or 70% made of water too. So how we speak to each other is very important in our life. You know, um, this morning when I woke up uh, and I was reviewing my notes, I usually do revisions after revisions when God talks. <laughs> and every Sunday morning when I go over it, you know, God tells me something and all. And then he gave me, gave me a picture of a sticky note. And I was thinking about it, and, and then he was kind of telling me that times in our life when we grow up, there's what they call sticky notes that are put on us through people, with words, 
And so, like, even, like, um, my mom and my, my dad, one thing uh, I can say, I remember a word, uh, a phrase my mom told me. And it was about, like, I don't know, 20, no, 40 years, when I was a little kid. And to this day, for some reason, what she said was like a sticky note that stuck on me to this very day. And it wasn't negative, it wasn't positive, it was just something that she said. And a lot of times, when people share words with you, there's sometimes it runs off like, you know, water on a duck's back, nothing. But sometimes words become like sticky notes about it stays with us. Things like, you know, you're good for nothing, you're helpless, all those things sometimes will just stick to us. That's why it's important in life to be positive with people. And, I, you know, when, when I play tennis, people are so positive, even though I'm not good. <laughs> Every time we play doubles, I'm, most of the time I'm on the losing team. <laughs> not like Joe. Joe's on the winning team. <laughs> Every time I come home from uh, tennis, my ex-wife, that day, she comes to work, well, did you win? No. <laughs> did you win? No. <laughs> But the people at the tennis say, oh, you're doing good. You're doing good. <laughs> Maybe that's why I go back. <laughs> no, either that or they want me to come back because they know they can beat me. So anyway, <laughs> then they feel good. <laughs> but anyway, but sometimes we, you know, people put sticky notes on us by what they say. Also, even we put sticky notes on ourselves. And we can be hard on ourselves more than Anybody else, let me tell you, the devil doesn't need to condemn me. I'll condemn me myself. And we do that over and over and over. Especially when things get hard and tough and we just put it on us. Like, you dummy, why did you do that and all that? You know, that's, you're bad. But I believe what we should do is we should put God's sticky note on our life. And take off those other sticky notes that have hurt us in every way. And I think God is here today, as I was praying, that he's going to re remove those sticky notes in your life that have wounded your soul. And what I mean by that, that he's going to take those words and remove it from you. Not that you're not going to remember it, but those words will not have power in your life. Because Jesus took the curses to the cross for you. And whatever had been cursed on your life, he's here to do that for you. Whatever people talked about you or said about you, he's here today. The fourth note before we get into that, the final word is, God's word to our lives is a blessing to others. And the mouth of the righteous is the fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. You know, the greatest word that you can, the greatest blessing of words you can give to people is Jesus. Especially those that don't know him in any way. You can pray for them. You can tell them God loves them. Jesus is the greatest word or person you can give to a person in need. And this, yesterday we, uh, we're going to have the worship team come up. My wife and I, we went to the Big Island for a funeral, her cousin's funeral. He died at 40-something uh, years with cancer. 
And the history behind us and their family was every year we'd go to the Big Island and visit them. And her, her cousin name is Brian, and he had a hard life because of divorce and everything else. He was in drugs, homeless, every, you name it. Last year, we went and visited, and he was there at the house, and he had cancer. They had cut part of his mouth off. And so, and I believe it was God who orchestrated everything. And so, we had an opportunity to share the Lord with him and Tideen's auntie, who's 90-something years old. We prayed with them to receive the Lord in their life. And so, that was last year. Then we heard that he passed away. And, I, and so, we weren't planning to go in any way, and neither was Tideen's parents. But then, later they changed their mind, and they wanted, parents wanted to go. And so, they wanted somebody to drive them. So, they asked Tideen and I to join them, and then they paid our way. And when uh, Tideen heard that, she was saying, and was God, she told me it was God. She said, I think we should, you should share about Ryan and his, what happened to him about receiving Christ. <laughs> and then I looked at her, what? You should do it because, if anything, you should do it because that's your family. And she was like, uh. But anyway, we left it at that. And then so we went to the uh, funeral. And then, you know, the funeral was, um, wasn't the Christian funeral. It was another type of funeral. <laughs> it was kind of funny because I was praying in the funeral because it was not, I grew up in a Buddhist one and they were doing all these things and I was just praying, Lord, cover me, cover me, cover me with your blood. <laughs> After the funeral, um, we went to the uh, ocean to throw his ashes, scatter his ashes. And as we walk into the beach, you know, to the area to um, throw his ashes in the ocean, um, Tedding's mom comes up to me and says, oh, Auntie said that you're going to say a few words and pray. And I'm going, what? She never did tell me. And then you're supposed to uh, say a prayer at the luncheon. I go, what? She never did tell me. <laughs> so anyway, we went there. And then I got to say a few words. And I just shared that it's not how you start in life with Ryan's life because of his life. It's how you finish and then I just shared Ryan accepted the Lord in his life. And with that, there was forgiveness and a place in heaven. And I left it at that. And then we went to the um, luncheon. And then they had a photo of Ryan. And then they also had a photo of his dog that died too. They did a funeral for the dog too at the same time. <laughs> but he was, I mean, young, super handsome in the photo. And, but before he left, his face was all maimed and cut. And then in the, before I prayed, I just felt like I should share again. And I shared, and Tideen was on the side of me. It was kind of funny because she was on the side of me and I'm talking, and she goes, don't forget, pain, he's out of pain. <laughs> so Ryan's out of pain. <laughs> don't forget, he's not suffering. Okay, he's not suffering. <laughs> so I shared. And I began to share that. Ryan was in a better place and that he has a renewed body, his youth. He'd be in his youth again, as you see in the photo. And I left it at that. That is, the, to me, the greatest words that you can give to people, that Jesus loves them. So this morning, as we, first of all, we're going to stand and worship 
Can we stand? And Pastor Zach is going to lead us in worship. And at the end, I'm, we're going to do something at the end. Amen. As we close, I wanted to do this. I wanted to do a couple of things. First, we're going to pray, and you can follow me in prayer. But we're going to ask for forgiveness that if we have been someone who spoke negative or put curses over people. The second thing is we're going to ask God to give us the strength to forgive people that have, spoke, have hurt us with negative things about me and to me, in fact. And we're going to declare that the cross is the place where the curses that was placed on our life is canceled. Even the curses that you spoke over your life, too, that Jesus took it to the cross and he canceled the curses. So we're going to take off those sticky notes of our life and we're going to put on God's sticky note that he loves us this morning. So pray after me. Father, forgive me for speaking negative curses and words over people. Help me to forgive people who have spoken negative things about me and to me. Help me to forgive myself. On the cross, Jesus canceled the curses. So today I ask the Holy Spirit and heaven's word to cancel curses spoken over my life. Even the curses I spoke into myself. I ask that you'd use me as a mouthpiece who speaks life. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Before we close as a part of our ending of our service, I'm going to speak the word on number 6, 22 and uh, 24. And when Pastor John and Pastor Eddie and Pastor Zach shares the scripture, the Lord bless you, you know that that's the only prayer in the Bible written by God himself to his people. God's only prayer written to his people. And it's a prayer of blessing. And so when, I, when we share the Lord bless you, receive it. That God is going to bless your life and protect you and watch over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. The Lord bless you. Amen.